Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Shapes of Stories with me, Lawrence Prestige. And yeah, I really enjoyed um, recording this episode. Um, My guest for this episode is Angela Griffin. And you know what, I vaguely remember as a child, um, Angela, on Coronation Street. Um, yeah, so it was really great for me to, to have a chance to talk to her. Because, um, you know, I've, I've admired Angela's career for, career for a while. Um, in terms, I've seen her a couple of theatre bits. Um, she, you know, she, she's done some amazing work on Waterloo Road, which I was a fan of back in the day. Well, is it, it's not a programme anymore, is it? No, but um, I used to really enjoy Waterloo Road when I was a bit younger. And over lockdown, I've actually um, discovered Cutting It, which features um, Angela Angela in, which was um, and Amanda Holden, which I didn't really uh, have any idea that she was in that show. Um, until I until I watched it, of course. But yeah, it was a really interesting chat that I had of Angela. We we spoke about a lot, to be honest. It was quite a nice long chat. It was like talking to a mate, to be honest. Um, it was great to hear that she's been doing okay over lockdown. You know, she was having a bit of mood. She was having a moody Monday um, at the time. Um, we recorded, as she says. But um, you know, she was. You wouldn't have thought. You wouldn't have thought that she was having a. You know, she was great. She was on good form, and she was great to talk to. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting getting Angela's thoughts on, um, sort of not just reflecting on her career, but just um, the evolution of television we spoke about. We spoke about, um, you know, the, obviously this thing called COVID-19. We've been talking about that a little bit. Um, we spoke about Donald Trump. We spoke about um, politics in this country. We, we, you know, we spoke, we covered quite a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, really wonderful chatting to um, Angela. Um, yeah, great to hear that, you know, her. I know, although, you know, it's... Um, uncertain times for us all it's nice to hear that Angela's been doing okay and it was interesting to get her thoughts on this year really this this really weird shit year that we all had um but yeah be sure to um, check out Angela's work if you haven't seen any of it yet I've like I said cutting cutting out I believe some cutting it sorry not cutting out cutting it is um yeah a really interesting program that I've really enjoyed watching so I urge anyone that's not heard of that to check out and um, to check out some of her stuff on um, online as well. You can watch some of her stuff on YouTube, which is um, a really, really interesting watch. Uh, yeah, but be sure to check out her stuff. Uh, be sure to follow her on social media. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow us on the Shapes of Stories Twitter, which is just at Shapes of Stories. You can follow me on Twitter under LPrestige7. You can follow me on Instagram under Prestige Books. Or you can follow me on Facebook, just under Lawrence Prestige. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Have a listen. Uh, it's going to be a great uh, great few episodes that we've got coming up for you. So, yes, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, please, on your podcasting platform. But without further ado, here is my chat with the wonderful Angela Griffin. Angela Griffin, how are you? Um, very well, thank you very much. It's Monday. Do you know what? I'm a bit moody, actually. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little bit moody today. I've oh. got the moody Mondays. 
moody Mondays. Why is yeah. it, it, it's every day's kind of a bit moody at the minute, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's. I mean, it's very, very up and down, isn't it? But um, I've got to say, I'm enjoying my weekends more than I'm enjoying my midweeks. I think. Um, okay. I, in fact, I've had a cracking weekend. I've been in a really, really good mood all weekend. Yeah. And then, yeah, woke up this morning a little bit cranky. Oh. Yeah. So I am all right. Monday morning. I'm as all right as yeah, I'm as all right as you can be on a Monday. Yeah. Well, how you how you been doing? All right, is in terms of 2020. How's this year been for you? 2020. Oh, it started off so well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it started off great. I did this really brilliant play at the beginning of the year. Um, a little three hander in the Hampstead and. I was creatively challenged and I was just in a really great positive mood. Then obviously COVID arrived and that changed everything. And generally I've been more up than down. Um, But yeah, it's probably been... Sorry, my mic mic slipped one second. I was going to lift that back up. I don't know why that's happened. Um... Yeah, I've been more up than down, but generally I'm like probably 90% up and 10% down. 2020 so far, I've probably been 60% up and 40% down. So unusual for me, yeah. Yeah, it's been an unusual, weird, weird year. But, you know, I think people mm. are starting to get itchy feet on there. I don't know if you've seen there's been these, like, protests in London. You get, like, the anti- anti-vaxxers yeah. and the people that are just anti-lockdown and anti-what tier they're in. Or yeah. yeah, I think people are just starting to really just get, get into people a bit more now, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a bit of a game, wasn't it, to start off with? It felt like, in our yeah. house anyway. It was a little <laughs> bit like, OK, let's play the characters of people in lockdown and we like embraced it as a family and we were doing like really lovely stuff and we were making lovely food and you know we've got a garden we've got a house where we've all got our own bedroom so we've all got our own spaces to be able to go back to to have our our time our kids are like 13 and 16 the 12 and 15 actually when it started but um so they you know that we didn't have to do any of that funny homeschooling stuff. We didn't have to, right, yeah. you know, we just had to make sure that they were doing it as opposed to having to be a teacher. So we got away with it. And, it, you know, it was, the sun was shining and, you know, I'm very, uh, I'm very self-employed. So I, I have always got a year's worth of money in the bank. So even though there was no, didn't get any government help. It was like, we're all right. We've got our savings. So it's all right. We're all right. There's people in much, much worse situations than us. Um, and so we just kind of, yeah, we dove in. We were doing Joe Wicks and making food. Nice. And the kids were making, pretending we were, you know, we'd have cinema night. We worked our way through every single Avengers film. And, <laughs> um, But yeah, now we're at a point where we came out of that lockdown. And I think we just all thought, when we do this, then it'll be fixed. And when we and when the first lockdown was over and it wasn't fixed and the realisation that the people in charge really don't know what they're doing. I mean, it uh, the you know, the word of 2020, unprecedented. Of course, they didn't know what to do to start off with. It was a new situation, of course. But there was a lot of time for them to learn. And then when you come out of lockdown and you've sacrificed so much and then you realise that the people in charge just are awful awful on in every aspect um morally (laughs) (laughs) um uh intellectually just everything about them is wrong it it, it just scares you i think 
Yeah. I think it well, scares I, I, you because it's like finding out your mum and dad are, are real people, you know, <laughs> and that they haven't got the answers to everything. And, mm-hmm. and you go through a little bit of a, oh, my God, we're in this on our own. The, you know, our parents don't know everything. And it's it's a bit like that. Yeah. Well, I, I just think the whole sort of political system in our country is a bit buggered, a bit flawed, isn't it? Like, I think it's just we yeah. haven't got people that kind of relate to... You know, in in terms of even recently with with Marcus Rashford, you know, footballers get stick because the amount of money they're on and everything like that. But when we have Marcus Rashford really going out of his way to try and do something really positive, um, you know, we kind mm. of loads he, of people he, turned he, on him. Yeah, lots of people turned <laughs> on him, and he's like fighting this. Some, you know, he's fighting for all these kids, and um, and it's government aren't really they're sort of reluctant to support him, and it just makes you kind of feel like the government's so out of touch of what's going on. I think they always have been. I think you yeah. know. I think it's a time old, a uh, time old um, problem that the people in government generally aren't one of us. It's very rare that there's one of us there, and if they're one of us, then they're not one of them. And you know, there's always someone. And so, I think nowadays people are just held to account much quicker, and much more with with social media, um, with the, you know, printed media. So the second anyone does anything wrong. We now all know about it straight away. They just used to hide it years ago. They just used to be able to hide it. That's all. That's literally the only difference. I think it's uh, politics and and politicians and government officials have always been a bit dodge. We just now know about it, yeah. (laughs) How how have your um, kids been doing over a lot this, this year, I guess? Because, you know, especially for teenagers, I think it's like... A time where you're kind of really having an exciting part of your life, whether it be, you know, and mm. I guess they're sort of missing their missing friends and the social aspect parties. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This parties. was the year of parties. Been, has it been difficult this was, for your kids? This was the year of parties for my 15 slash 16 year old yeah. um, because it was going to be GCSEs. And then when you finish the GCSEs, everyone goes to Reading or they go away for the weekend and they all start having parties in the house. And, and yeah, she um, didn't get any of that. And, Again, I think she, you know, at first, she, uh, Tallulah, um, really just was, just went with it. It was like, you know, we're all locked down, we're all in this together, we've got to do this, but once we do this, then my life will be able to continue. And um, I think once the realisation that life wasn't going to continue, it it was really, it was really hard. It still is really hard on a, um, not sitting in a GCSEs, you spend your entire life soon from 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 starting school at four years old you you're going towards this point she's very academic as well my my eldest so not that she was looking forward to exams but she planned for them she's worked really hard and mm. to have that taken away she did feel um a bit robbed uh, my 13 year old is um oh she's such a little social one and so she's really missed her friends really missed her friends she's not massively academic um she's much more creative and um and so having to kind of sit down and do all that work was quite quite tough for her and she's she's now at the point where she's just like it's like tonight after school she spends all day with her friend at school and then she wants her friend to come round and we're like she, I'm so sorry she can't come round because yeah. we're not you know we're not allowed and she's like right well we're then going to go and we're going to go to get takeaway after school and then we're going to go to a park and walk around in a park because they're just, you know, she just wants to be with her friends, and so she's trying to find the loopholes <laughs> yeah. to try and to try and see them, and it's it, it's really it's just confusing because she's like, how how can I spend all day with my friend sitting next to her, right next to her in class? She sits next to me. 
I can do that, but I can't then go and go, you know, she can't come to our house and sit at the kitchen table like that. Yeah. So she's, um, yeah, she's a bit more combative, I think, with the whole, with the whole thing. It's yeah. been tough for him. It will, this will mark and, and have an impact on our kids. There'll be echoes of this forever for years oh, and years. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, what's your sort of plans for Christmas and stuff? Because I, I was hearing, like, I, I thought my friend was one. My friend told me yesterday, he goes, well, we're not even allowed, they're telling us we can't even play board games at Christmas. And I thought he was, like, winding me up. But it's an actual yeah. thing where they're saying, no, you can't play the board games. The guidance is, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. wow. The guidance is that, yeah, don't don't play board games. Don't hug. Um, there was something else as well. I can't remember what it was. Um, we're just doing it. So I've, I'm old older mid 40s and I have never ever had one Christmas without my mum ever so I've either well obviously when I was younger I was at home and then as I've got older I would um, just go and spend Christmas day there at least or she and you know in recent years she's come to us and this will be the first year because she's vulnerable her and my dad are mid 70s um, type 2 diabetes high blood pressure on medication um, my stepdad's on um, immunosuppressants um, so uh, I know they've said we can have these households brilliant brilliant we're not doing it because it you know we, we we just don't want to give it to them it's great this household thing if you've got maybe siblings that you want to spend time with where you're all you know under 50 and you know, that's fair enough. But I think anyone who kind of spends time with their elderly parents at Christmas, I, you know, I cross my fingers and touch wood for you that you don't pass it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just one of these things that would you, you know, you, you'd be there at Christmas, but you'd be worrying about it as well. You'd be very cautious. So it's like, do you really want to have that Christmas day where you're yeah. worrying and you're anxious and, you know. And yeah. you, or not that. worrying and, and not anxious and then you give it to them and then they're dead. and then you've and you because you've gone oh it don't matter it's only one day dad no i don't want i don't want that on my conscience i don't want to i don't want to give my parents covid yeah exactly yeah and i think you know i think when you have have christmas then it'd be like oh we did christmas we could do new year now we can have a little new year party with the family and people it'll just escalate where it'll just get more and more because i think people are going to kind of be wanting to celebrate the new year because it'd be like 2020 is over and people especially young people are going to really get the edge there we can just break the rules for tonight we can just do we can just do this tonight yeah i mean i think young people i'm not putting the blame on them but i mean my daughter's friends are having parties left right and center yeah they're just they just they've got you know and they what what i find bizarre is they're putting it all over like their snapchats <laughs> and their <laughs> and their instagrams these parties that they're all sat in a house and five of them in there and it, I, you know it's yeah i mean i don't believe that in fairness to them it doesn't really affect them the majority of them um and they should be allowed to live their life but it's really, you know, it's really, we're, we like sticking to rules in our house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've got very um, uh, strict rules, well, not strict rules, but, you know, you're very good at guiding strict. them, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I just think, I just I just like a rule. I like a boundary. I like to know where I stand. It makes me feel really, really safe, unless it's this government that's implementing it. <laughs> well, yeah, there we go. Well, I mean, <laughs> you think of the, uh, it looks like the government's stuff's changed in the US a little bit now, you know, Donald oh, Trump's uh, goodness. packing his I bags off. I think, I, think it's start, I think he's starting just now to have the realisation that he's lost, slowly yeah. now. Just, like a, just over a month about later. Three weeks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> I'll like... tell you what, that changed my state of mind. Biden um, becoming president-elect 
made me happy because, um, you know, I know we're all different and we all have our political differences, but I feel like the right have been um, the majority for quite a while. You know, uh, all these votes happen and I'm always on the losing side, it feels like, whether whether it's Brexit or, the, you know... um, the prime minister or it's like me and my people are seem to be in the minority and i found that really um disconcerting and quite depressing and it's been happening for so many years no it's not like no just a couple of things it's been going on for like five six seven eight years where i thought that people thought like me (laughs) or at least the majority of people do you know in my mind were sensible kind and fair and so when all these people have been like, you know, Trump's winning and, you know, we're leaving Europe and and it's made me go, oh, my gosh, I couldn't be any more in the minority. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like more people think the other way than, than, than me. And, and Biden winning just made me, I hadn't realised the low level anxiety that I'd had <laughs> just from the people that were running the, the country. And now I'm like, yes. So maybe the world is now coming to its senses and we will become kinder and fairer and nicer and and everything will turn out all right and they will yeah. live happily ever after. <laughs> it, is, it, it is interesting for Brexit and Donald Trump because, I mean, it just seemed like the thought of both of them happening was just... When you know when it was the early days, just seemed you know like that's not going to happen. That's not. Yeah. But it makes you think: do people just did people just vote for it because they were both just so different and they weren't content with how things were? And they thought, well, this Donald Trump guy, he's like not normal in terms of like a politician. Maybe he'll be different. Brexit. uh, We're not content with how stuff's going on in the country, so maybe this will be different. So I think like people were voting for some kind of change but didn't realise what the change was necessarily. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think there's also a lot of really thick people out there. I'm going to put that out there because I think people did want difference and they did want a change and they felt like they weren't being listened to and they felt like they did weren't heard. But if you feel like that, then what you do, I think, personally, is you... Um, go and look into and you research what could change things for you or or you don't just blindly vote for the loudest people. You don't just believe what the loud people are saying or putting in your Facebook or putting through your door or putting on the TV. You look into it and I think so many people blindly just went, I don't like how things are now. And they're the people in charge. So I'm just going to vote for the other one. I think mm-hmm. Trump could have been Mickey Mouse or, yeah. you know, it could have been anyone. They just didn't want what they had right then. Um, and I just think, you know, yeah, people, yeah, there's some people with strange views in there. Yeah. It gets to the point where you think, like, how someone like that can ever, how do they ever get into power to be the president of the United States? Because you, you, you well, think they have to be educated to know like about defence and stuff. I know. It, it kind of gets to the point where you're like, well, we're just going to start having a talent show to who runs the country yes. or something. Well, that's essentially what's kind of happened. Because, I mean, if, <laughs> yeah. you know, is Trump running the country? I'm not quite sure. I think there's loads of other people in there. Mm. But I think the way that those people get voted... Uh, you must have watched The Social... Is it The Social Dilemma? Yeah. The, um, I mean, that's that's literally 
how it happened is that people rely so much on their phones and their computers now and and that it's just all been infiltrated and you will get into some kind of echo chamber with people who think the same way as you and then someone comes in and manipulates that information and then all of a sudden you know if you start thinking that trump's clever and start searching for that you'll find loads of stuff that makes him look like he's clever yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's um it's, it's weird because I've, I've even seen some people even say to me or on social media say well you know trump, trump's going and stuff but like i am kind of gutted that he's going because he's so entertaining and it's just like well well the thing is like wow. having as a judge on americans got talent wow brilliant that's it oh i'm really getting really sad that president trump's not going to be able to ruin the world anymore because he was just dead entertaining just yeah. dead entertaining <laughs> With his 500,000, no, 250,000 dead. Is that what it is in America? Oh, yeah, no? something ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it's Just awful. Really bad, yeah. 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 And then he kind of had it and said, like... Did he? I, Did well, he have well, it? Well, he kind of had it, and then he kind of came out and was just gloated. Like, no one knows it more than... No one knows COVID more than me now, because I, I, I had it for, I what, don't know if he days. had it. I don't, yeah, it makes you wonder. It was like one of these strange things where it was like, what, yeah. a week or two before the election? And, yes. Yeah. And he was in and out so quick. And it's just, he is the prime candidate for... All of the, you know, he's overweight. Uh, he's uh, like in his seventies. He, he was, he he should have been really, really poorly. There's no way that he. I just don't think he had it. I think he was a ploy. Yeah, I think it was a well, ploy well, to well, make him Boris, look like a big strong man. Yeah, when Boris had it, he they said it could have gone either way, and he was in yeah. intensive care, wasn't he? And, uh, yeah, that's it. So so yeah, I mean, I, I did see one funny thing about Donald Trump recently. He, he wants he wants to open the Donald J. Trump Library in one of the I think it's in Florida or somewhere like that. And he said it's going to be just very, got mystery, mystery Mister Men books in it. Well, it, it, it said it said uh, he wants the library to be very interactive, which I think is code for not so many books. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I just seen some of his. I used to picture this library as Donald J. Trump Library. Some of his amazing quotes on the walls, like yeah. you know. And I have the best words. No one knows words better yeah. than me. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and just all his own books in there that he's written or had written about him or just yeah. Oh God, I can't stand him. Yeah, yeah, that's me. It's quite a strong Trump. feeling. I, mean, yeah. I know he's, <laughs> if someone needs the airtime, it's Donald Trump, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, going back to, I mean, I guess uh, the COVID situation and, and theatre. Like, do you worry about the the future of? theatres and like what the, what's going to happen with them um i really worry about them in terms of the people who are working or were working in them um i don't worry about theater as a whole theater has survived many a plague um and you know it's still here it's 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 an ancient art form do you know what i mean it's it's just from the greeks the romans it, it theater will never die it will come back my concern right now is all the people who have spent their entire careers in theatre, lighting directors, um, art directors, chippies who you know make the sets, makeup, hair, wiggies—all these people who they really don't earn a lot of money, really don't, you know. But they because they consistently work in theatre and they go from job to job to job, you know, they make a, an all right living, mm -hmm. and their jobs just stopped. And because of the way that we are um, employed 
um, within uh, the theatre and, and, and so on and the way that the tax has to work and you have to be self-employed for tax purposes but you're on a PAYE for this and so on, that nobody got any help and theatres were the first out and they're no still being the, no, the last back. So I really worry for the people and the amount of talent that will have to find other jobs and have had to find other jobs so that when theatre does come back, which it absolutely will, I mean, I think the, this vaccine will change everything. And I, I, in my head, I go, this time next year, um, it, this will be a distant memory. We'll be like, oh my God, do you remember when we used to do old podcasts about COVID and, and like we were just, you know, we couldn't, we weren't allowed to go around to each other's houses. Wasn't that really weird? And I think we'll, it will just be a distant memory. Um, but I think in the, by the time that happens, we will have lost so many people um, and so many people's lives will have changed. That that makes me really sad. But no, yeah. I don't think theatre will go. It will never die. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, because you've done theatre and television, is there, mm. I guess, both are very different experiences. Do you, I guess, I can imagine, because I've done a bit of panto in theatre and stuff, but like, mm. the, the high that you get from theatre, is that so much... Nothing else like it in terms of you know that you get on off television and things like that. Um, I we have been talking about acting this morning. I've been on a walk with my friend Nicholas Stevenson, <laughs> oh, yeah. two meters apart. Um, yeah, went and walked the dogs, and we were talking about work, and you know it's really tough at the moment. It's really in terms of you know there's twice as many people out of work. Um, a quarter of the stuff's been made. It's just really tough, and I, I've been kind of trying to work out what. Because I've loved the weekend because I've not had to think about the um, uh, phone ringing. I'm waiting to hear on some jobs at the moment. Okay. And on Saturday and Sunday, I know I'm not going to get a phone call. So actually I relaxed and was just like, right, just get on with life. And I woke up this morning going, oh, this is the day when I'm probably going to find out I didn't get those jobs. Oh, I'm not going to find out anything and it's just going to be awful. And I'm kind of going just questioning why I do this stupid job. <laughs> <laughs> and I realised that actually... One of the reasons I love doing theatre, so there is, it's a completely different art form. It's a completely different high. Um, there's a different vibe. The status within the rooms is very different. It, 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 they're almost incomparable in terms of um, um, qualities, in terms of TV and theatre. But the one thing that I absolutely love about theatre is that you go to work every single day. So in rehearsals, even if you're not, you know, not a massive part in it, generally you have to be there every single day. And it's a really intense period, the rehearsal period. And then you have to go and do the show eight times a week. You have something to do eight, well, six days um, of the week. And I've discovered today, my epiphany today is I just want to be an actor every day. I want to act every single day. I don't care what it's in. <laughs> I just want to act every single day. I, I've had quite a few jobs recently where um, I've been quite a good character in it, but we've been in like a 16-week shoot, and in that 16-week shoot, I've probably shot for 15 days, 20 days, like I had 15, 20 days of actual filming, and um, I hate it. <laughs> Most people want that kind of job where they get paid the same amount but they're in very, very little and they get more time at home. And I love my home. I love my house. I love my kids. I love everything. But I really like working. And I like, I think I'm really suited to the soaps. <laughs> because I just want to be in every day. I just want to be yeah. an actor every day. 
Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to break. I'll have five weeks off a year, like normal people do. Week off at Christmas, couple of weeks in the summer and Easter, and then all the rest of the time, I'm really happy to go to work. Yeah. Well, how how old were you when you were on Corrie the first time? How old were you? When you uh, sixteen. That? Sixteen years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Just the... turned in the, in the July, and then I went into it. Um, started filming it in the September, and it went out um, on screen in the November. Yeah. Is that kind of the one thing that people, I mean, I guess that Waterloo Road, uh, cutting it, like uh, the, the, these are kind of things that you kind of like get the most. I can judge people's age by what they recognise me from. <laughs> so <laughs> so like, if someone well, recognises me from Corrie, yeah, that's it, exactly. You know, someone goes, oh, Coronation Street's like, oh, yeah, you're probably about, I don't know, 40, 40 and upwards. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then now my Waterloo, although Waterloo Road is like on iPlayer now so it's got a whole new audience so all my children so normally it would have been like 25 to 30s is that would be my Waterloo Road um audience who would stop me but now it's like all my friends um, my children's friends at school are all watching it so it's really hard now when you've got all your shows coming back on tv so it's harder yeah well, cutting it was been on something recently, hasn't it? Because I've been, exactly, I, yeah. I've so just, I, yeah, it, yeah, I've just discovered cutting it from the, over a lot. <gasps> yeah, I've Did really you, enjoyed it. Snow. I think it's really underrated. I've, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It, it was. I mean, I've got to say, when it came out, it was a phenomenon. It really, it really was so different to everything that was on at the time, um, and it was a, it was a massive success. And we did four series of it, and. I think by that point, like Sarah Parrish had, you know, needed to move on. And um, there was talk, actually, when we finished the fourth series, there was discussion about continuing it on. But then the people who commissioned it moved to a different channel and and it just kind of um, fell apart at that point. But it's the show that I get asked the most to... um, uh, to re... um, Reprise, is that the word? Yeah, Yeah. reprise, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. People want more of it, but yeah, yeah, I don't think it ever will. Yeah. yeah. Has, has there been like a role or show that, you know, although you probably get Collegiate Street, Waterloo Road and, mm. and mentions a lot, is there one that you feel like as a performer, as a person that you've got the most from being involved in that experience? Yeah, there's um there's a couple. There's um I did a show in Canada called The Detail, which I just absolutely loved it was my perfect part i was playing american i was a cop i had a gun um, i was number one on the call sheet um it was all women it was a women writers female um uh, producers it was so exciting to film and so like hard work but good hard work um i wasn't i was scared but not in a in a oh my god i don't want to go to work way um i just absolutely loved it It was my perfect job if that job had have gone on and on for like 10 years i would have that would have been i would have been happy and i was in every single day oh amazing so yeah every it ticked every single box um so i love that but then also the job um the british job that i've done which i really flexed my um muscles my acting muscles in that i really enjoyed doing was a show called ordinary lies which um i was in the second series of and um i don't think it got particularly massive viewing figures um it was danny brocklehurst um wrote it It was a red production um but in terms of um enjoying playing the character 
and where I had to go um, as an actor, that was the role where I go, oh, that was my, that was the one, that was the one which I really loved and I'm really proud of the work that I did in it. Yeah, yeah amazing. Is there, is there anything that you've been binge watching or anything over over this year on TV or Netflix or anything like that? Loads. Oh my gosh, <laughs> absolutely loads. Um, so I've just finished The Crown. Oh, and then the yeah. I got myself dragged into watching Diana in my own words after watching The Crown, <laughs> uh, which is a documentary on Netflix. And I w- watched it yesterday afternoon and sobbing my heart out at the end of it. Oh, yeah. can you hear that vibrating? No. No, no. Can't hear anything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, um, so, yes, yeah, so I've just finished The Crown, obviously The Queen's Gambit, because that's what everyone's been watching, and it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, Small Axe as well I'm watching at the moment. I've got to um, catch up on that one um, last night's. What else have I watched? We did it all. Tiger King. Oh, Tiger um, King was good. It was one of these things when everyone was on the band, and I got on the bandwagon with Tiger King, and I was just like, this isn't real. And the first episode, I was like, this is actors, actors, actors. But yeah. No, it's all like when you and the more episodes you watch, and you it's frightening when you think like it's genuine. I think what made me think it was fake because you know that Joe Exotic he had like his music videos. Yeah, I was like, well, that, I was like, well that's not him singing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's not him singing. This is, oh, this, is yeah. all, this is all bollocks. But um, no, but it was all you know. As you watch more, you think it's very real and mm. yeah, really, really yeah. bizarre program. Yeah, we did it all. We did all of those, um, all of those shows. I mean, we're still now kind of going right. What what's to watch next? We feel like we've completed Netflix. <laughs> yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You do, yeah. The morning show. We did all the Apple TV stuff. Um, what else did we did? Did Hannah on Amazon? Uh, went back into some BBC stuff. What was the lawyer thing with um, Nicola Walker that I didn't watch first time round? The oh, I don't think I've seen this. No. Oh, there's something. And they're all divorce lawyers, basically. It's Nicola Walker, and I went back and watched that. Um, there's been some cracking TV, but I have run out now. I mean, there's just—I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to get made because <laughs> nothing's being made. I don't know where. You know, where's the next? We're going to have like a real drought for about six months while everyone gets back into into making yeah. TV again. Well, do you watch the? Well, I was, was going to say Jungle, but it's not. Do you watch the? Um, I'm a Celebrity. Do you watch um, that? Yeah, been dipping in and out of it. Oh, I mm-hmm. always watch the first night, um, but then yeah, I've been dipping in and out of it. The one where they keep showing people being sick, and I've got a little issue with watching people vom- yeah. vomiting. Mm-hmm. People have always been sick on it, but they've never shown it. They did, and yeah, they did. They did the season. They're they? really showing it at the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I'm a bit yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> would you ever like do it. would you ever do something like that going to no, no I never. kissed my husband yesterday he, we both had our breakfast and I made really lovely um, sourdough with what did I put on it oh bacon lettuce tomato and garlic mayonnaise fit as Jason made sourdough with sardines on it and I went and gave him a kiss forgetting he'd had the, the sardines kissed him and gipped because of the smell of the fish. And I literally said, and that is why I will never go into the jungle because I can't even kiss you when you've eaten sardines. It's not even me that's had to eat the sardines. I just thought of that girl having to, oh God, drink the fish eyes. 
Oh yeah, the oh. fish eyes or what is it? Um, sheep's testicles oh, or whatever all it is. Of it, or... The pig's vaginas, oh, the the, yeah. the um, sick fruit. What is it? Vomit fruit. Just rank. No, I won't. I, w- I will not do it. I do something where they don't mess with my food. Strictly. I'll do the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do the dancing. That's it. But I, I like my food too much. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I mean, obviously, with your acting, have you ever thought about doing more sort of um, behind the scenes stuff like writing and directing? Or... Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I did um, a web series at the beginning of... Um, of lockdown called Unbreeding, which was about um, these women in in the menopause, and it was, uh, went out on YouTube. It did really well. We you know we had such fun, and we all had to like film it at home um, with our iPhones and and so on. And we had a director, Robin Shepherd, who would give us like a camera plan and how to shoot it, and we had the lights and the tripod and all that kind of stuff. And I loved it, really enjoyed it. And then I ended up directing the final episode, episode nine of the. Um, um, of this of the show and I just yeah I'd loved I loved it and I've I've written a short film that's just been optioned by a production company so I will once covid is done we were going to try and do it during covid um but because uh of how much money it costs to make it covid safe I'd rather spend that money on um the like in, in front of the camera rather than spending a two thousand pound on bloody masks and and compartmentalizing it like you know putting the makeup over here and i'd rather wait until we can just shoot yeah well that'd be really good yeah because I, I did see um uh was it the start of covid you were doing that yeah that, yeah. Oh, yeah 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 i did that. Like april see. may yeah all around that time yeah i know that's really interesting though yeah yeah really... so yeah i'd love to and so i've i'm doing bits of writing and i've um i've got a couple of ideas in development in paid development with some production companies, um, I'm always I'm always ducking in a diving. I'm always trying to make my own work, and and I I'm not very good at sitting and doing nothing. Like I say, I want to work every mm. single day. So, and if I can't get the work, then I try and write the work and try and get the work commissioned and and so on, and try and be as proactive as you possibly can be um, in this business that they call show. <laughs> Have you have you ever had to do any um? Because I'm, I'm I'm from Stratford up on Avon. Have you ever had to do any Shakespeare? Um, no, I haven't. No. I haven't. <laughs> I didn't even really do it at school, but I did do um. Oh God, who wrote it now? I did a play at the Globe, and it was called the. Oh my gosh! I can't believe that. I've forgotten <laughs> what it's called. Oh, Captive Queen. Okay. It was called The Captive Queen, and it was written by, oh, God, someone worse than Shakespeare <laughs> in terms of, oh, what's his name? It'll come to me. I'll Google it in a minute. I've forgotten what his name is. But basically, it was all in, in um, uh, rhyming um, couplets, the whole play. Okay. The whole play. Um, and it was really dense. Oh, it's my husband just read. Um, it was really dense, and really hard to learn and I didn't even know what um pentameter what's it called something ambic ambic oh yeah yeah I am yeah I am Vic that's it I am Vic yeah yeah it was all that and I didn't even know what that meant literally I didn't even know what it meant like I went to the first day of rehearsals 
did it and they kept talking about iambic this and iambic that and I was like yeah 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 mm, yeah that's what I, yeah, I was thinking and came home and phoned up my friend who went to drama school and went what the hell is iambic what is this that they're talking about um Dryden John Dryden that's John it Dryden. Was. yeah Dryden wrote it so it's very dry Dryden um but I'd like to do some Shakespeare I've worked with a couple of um directors who've who reckon that I'd be good at it so yeah one day Maybe I'll do a bit of Shakespeare, yeah. Yeah, come to, come to the Stratford-upon-Avonland and see... Oh, all... that'd be nice. Yeah. It'd nice be there. funny if it was called that, wouldn't it? Stratford-upon-Avonland. <laughs> Shakespeare-land. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I've, I did a bit when I was younger, but, you know, it wasn't it wasn't great just wearing those tights. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. you're doing it with the tights on, no. You're doing it with the tights on, yeah. Not you know, when you... you're a kid or a teenager. Well, yeah, I mean, that's dude. just awful. Oh, yeah, I was like 19, years, 19 years old wearing these really... <laughs> Tight tights. <laughs> even <laughs> even the direct even the directors go in. Can someone get him a dagger, please? Yes, yeah, someone get him something. Get him something, yeah. but not a hot fit girl, because that could really mess things up now. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> can go wrong in so many ways. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, do you think um, you're going to go back to Coronation Street? No. 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 Is that is that, is that is that something that? You, you're like you don't want to do or just don't see well um it's really hard going back to things because so if it was me and i um there was no going to be no um comeback or fallout i would love to go back and do like a lovely year there and um reprise um fiona middleton and i'd absolutely love to do that but the industry that we are in means that if I did that it would probably be career suicide <laughs> ultimately um, and uh, so that's the thing that makes me worried about going back to anything, any show because it's not seen as a warm, loving, nice thing to do where you go, oh I really enjoy playing that character I'd love to go and revisit them and find out where they are now it's seen as, oh my gosh well that's, um, she's obviously um up shit creek and um is desperate for work and um can't make it anywhere else so she's had to go back and so it becomes that rather than i just wanted to go and have a nice time there so i would love to go back i'd absolutely love to but if i did i would struggle beyond belief to get a job after it yeah is the simple answer yeah yeah is it is it would it is it also kind of you're, also, you're always going to be known as Fiona Middleton the more you do it as well. Like if you did this big comeback on Corrie, you'd be like, oh, it's Fiona Middleton. And, you know, you're kind of, is it kind of hard to shake that once you sort of leave? Um, I mean, um, I don't know. Yes, I suppose it is. I mean, I still get recognised for Corrie all the time. And I yeah. left, apart from like, you know, going and doing that, the two scenes last year um, on Skype. I left 22 years ago. I was 21 when I left that show and I'm I'm still recognised for it now. So, yeah, you do always get remembered by it, for it. Um, it's not always a negative thing. There's a snobbiness, the snobbiness to um, ex-soap actors and I think proving to people that you're a real actor... Because for some reason, being a soap actor is is somehow lesser. It, it feels so proving to people that you're that you're a real actor. Um, 
that takes does take a lot of time. Really does take a lot of time. Um, some people find it easier than others. Depends on what roles you get afterwards. But there's so many people who've come out of soaps and just have not worked again. Yeah. And it's a snobbery. No, yeah, I can imagine. Because yeah, I, I even like on social media, wherever I've uh, been at events and there's been a, a soap actor that's turned on the Christmas lights or something like that, they're always kind of known as... It's Ian Bill from EastEnders, or it's yeah, it. you know that's, that's it. it. It's not it's not their name. No one's yeah. sort of interested in knowing who the actor Sarah is. Sarah Lancashire. Sarah Lancashire played Raquel. Same thing. She left twenty two years ago, and I can guarantee you that if you read any article, it will say Coronation Street Sarah Lancashire, Coronation Street Saran Jones, Coronation Street's Catherine Kelly, uh, Coronation Street's Michelle Heater, uh, Michelle Keegan, not Michelle. She's from Liberty X. Um, it's you never shake it, and I don't mind not shaking it. Because I loved it. It was, you know, it was a massive part of my life. But I mind when I get judged on it in mm. a negative way. That's when it yeah. bothers me. No, like I'm so. somehow lesser. Yeah. I mean, as a 16-year-old on Corrie, have, have you sort of felt yourself as a performer, I guess, really evolving over the way television and has changed, I suppose? Because, like, even now, like, um, there's shows I love that they pull off Netflix and stuff because they worry it's going to be, like, a, a fen- like Little Britain or Inbetweeners mm. or things like that. They, you know, they take them off because they're worried about mm. it. I, I even saw recently that they were on about pulling the Faulty Towers episode with the Germans because they're worried that that was going to offend, start offending people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's just... I mean, I don't know what your your thoughts on it are, but it just kind of feels like, well, yeah, especially with Little Britain, some of it is a bit on the nose, and maybe some. I think a lot of it's a lot yeah. of it's on the nose. So, I, yeah, some some of the scenes perhaps need to come out of it, but like, I don't know whether to completely pull stuff off because then if is, is is it just going to get to a stage where we're just like pulling all these old sitcoms and comedies off? Um, oh, it's a really hard one. This really hard because my mm. kids have watched Little Britain; they absolutely loved it. And I sat and I watched some of it with them and I thought it was absolutely horrifying. I can't believe that I didn't see it then, which for me, <laughs> which yeah, for me just goes... Fair, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I used to, oh, I when it was out, I Just watch it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just watch it now and go, that what it did was go, oh, that just proves how endemic racism was in our society, that I thought that that was fine. It was fine to mock people. It was fine to do that because it was David Williams and Matt Lucas, that it was fine for that to happen. And everyone thought it was fine. Because um, honestly, it's horrifying when you watch it now. It's just absolutely horrifying. You know, and some of it's quite funny. Um, but um, but I do have a bit of a problem with it, I've got to say. I do have a bit of a problem with it. I don't, should it be pulled? I don't know. I just don't know. Um, I have a problem with the N-word, so anything that's got that where it's been used in in those kind of old shows i think that isn't that i think the one of the faulty towers um episodes he uses the is, word. i think that's yeah i think there's the just, yes there is yeah yeah and mm. i just go what does it do now what harm does it do now it shows where we were in that time and that what was mm. what was what was all right and what wasn't all right um so educationally I find that quite you know for my kids to just go when I was growing up when mummy was growing up that's this was fine this is what made it all right for because they were saying it on the tv so when I went to school 
that that's what made it okay that's what made it okay for people to pick on me and use those words towards me because it was on tv and people were laughing at it so in terms of that i kind of go yeah you know it's good to be able to show my kids but i do just go there's other stuff that's funny there's just other stuff there's so many funny things that yeah why can we not maybe just take away the stuff that's that normalizes um being mean yeah, well, one of my favourite. <laughs> see, I love Peter Kay as a comedian because he doesn't have yeah. to be, he doesn't have to swear, he doesn't this have to be controversial. It. He is just a really funny. He like just just by relating to people and taking people's everyday to day, he's this able to be it. hilarious. And Peter Kay is a you know, comic genius. Where you get someone like Frankie Boyle, who is like so on the nose at offended. We had the Becky yeah. Abington on and. Um, yeah, I think he, you know, he made was made joking about her appearance, and people would lap it up. And but you know, there's, there's people I just that, think you mm. can't. I did um this workshop for um a play, and it was about stand ups, and um we were talking about humour, what is funny and what's not, and a breakthrough moment for me was, it's all right if you're punching up. Humour is all right if you are punching up. So um when you're working class so therefore you know you can you can take the mick out of the people who are privileged you know because you're punching up it's wrong when you're punching down when you're punching down when you're laughing at people who are in a worse situation than you that are less well off than you for whatever reason whether it be disability um um uh, race or religion or whatever but when you mock people that are status wise below you that's that's wrong but you know if you're punching up then that's all right do you know yeah. um, that personally that's what i think so if you're in a wheelchair you can take the mick out of people who are in wheelchairs and um and uh, able-bodied or, or non-wheelchair users you can do that because you're punching up you're taking the mick out of people that are above or not above not literally above but you know um you just yeah don't punch down yeah no no, no i completely get that yeah but yeah peter k is brilliant i love peter k yeah and that's <laughs> it and it's like his is such simple humor but so so nuanced and so clever mm-hmm. he knows how to tell a story knows how to build a joke he's he's incredibly clever without offending anybody um um below i suppose do you know what i mean yeah. he just yeah. he just is funny yeah. just did you funny. watch car share yeah, that's brilliant. Just, just, just like, again, just, just two people in the car going to work, and then you know yeah. he could just be really just hilarious about talking about what that that joke with her next door neighbours that they're going dog in, and she means uh, walking the dog. It's brilliant. It's yeah, just, yeah. That's it. That's it. Clever. It's it's clever humour, mm-hmm. um, and I I think when people choose to laugh at um, a group of people who aren't in a position to defend themselves i think that's not clever i think it's a bit yeah. bit it's just like ham-fisted in it yeah well have you ever had to deal with anything like that on social because you know you get like trolls and stuff on social media have you ever had oh, to... i just ignore them i literally yeah. i don't even engage i don't <laughs> i did something the other day for um i did like this aunt bessie's um collaboration and <laughs> it went on and I put it on my social media and stuff and then um my husband was on the phone to his mum and she's like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry about what they've said on there. And I went, no idea. If they've put something, I have 
no idea i don't don't read the comments and if someone does ever put anything on there that's not very nice i immediately delete it and block them I don't reply to them i don't engage with them i just remove it from my line of sight and that's mm-hmm. it just don't want to I'm, I'm not bothered there's always someone who's going to be um there's always someone who's going to have something to say about what you're doing and it's in, in a negative way and i couldn't care less yeah, it's just, you know, on, on social media, it just seems more acceptable for people to do. But it, yeah. sort of going back to Donald Trump again, like he's a, he's a leader of the free world and he's the president of the United States. And then he's on Twitter calling like women fat slobs or idiots and stuff. I and mean, if you think if you're a supporter of Donald Trump for whatever reason and you're seeing, you know, the leader of mm. what you support talk. It like normalises it. Yeah, it yeah. normalises it. This is this is the problem with with so many things that that, that man has done. He has normalised and enabled people to say, use that kind of vernacular to 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 treat people in that way. He's normalised horrific things, and that you know is unforgivable. Yeah. There's people in the papers today saying stupid, stupid stuff, just stupid stuff, and you just go. You're responsible now for people acting in a really irresponsible way. You've done that mm-hmm. by, by your little random. It's not even random, is it? But um, but w- with what you've, what you've put out there, and people should understand the 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 responsibility that they have when they've got a certain amount of followers and what that what that does, and they are responsible for it. Yeah. But for me, I just go. I'm not. If it's if it's negative, and the same as if like, certain people who who um. Uh, right and crap I just don't follow them I've never followed President Trump I never got it it's like someone's not very nice and Katie Hopkins and stuff oh yeah it's like I don't know whether that means I'm part of cancel culture or whatever it's just like someone's saying something that I find offensive or I don't like then I just don't follow them just mute them and and never talk about them I don't even want to give them that the 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 my breath to say I'm not talking about them or that I'm never going to talk to them again just don't just block yeah. block 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 yeah with with Katie Hopkins I mean she got removed off Twitter for for what well, I don't know if she still is but I know she did get taken off Twitter and then and then they sort of put their hands up and say there's a conspiracy to censor us and it's just like have you not looked at the stuff that you've been saying and like realize that why they've took your Twitter down it's like you're really just offending people like yeah it's like everyone should have free speech everyone should have free speech apart from when someone's saying something really bad about me then they're not allowed to have um <laughs> they're not allowed to have um free speech they're not allowed to say and do what they want i find that that, that attitude really um um shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't think no, of a no. better word for it well shit. no no yeah, i totally, to- totally agree like they just seems like there's even i don't know if it is part of the donald trump reason and the way things are but they just seems to be bigger um uh diversions in terms of groups divided and stuff it just seems to be bigger bigger the right and the left and what political party you are there just seems to be bigger uh, groups I and mean, you watch the news for i try and avoid the news now but if you watch the news for half an hour you're depressed by the end of it because it's like you you know you watch it'll be about 10 15 minutes on covid then the brexit then it'll talk about donald trump then it'll talk about uh, black lives matter movements and the protesting and the divide that there is and it just it, there just seems like this massive division in, with people at the minute, and uh, yeah, and it's just uh, that's what gives you a moody Monday, you see. That's it. That was giving you a moody Monday. <laughs> that's what gives you we book ended there. We started with mo- mo- moody Monday and ended with, and that is why I'm having a moody Monday because it's a just a bit rubbish Monday. sometimes. A nice long <laughs> rant. That's what we needed. <laughs> so.
what what's sort of coming? Well, I guess it's one of these things where it's, it's a bit harder to kind of plan what's kind of coming up in the next mm. year for you. But like, have you got some stuff in the pipeline? Or? I've, my pipeline is so empty. It's cavernous and echoey <laughs> and um, and empty. Absolutely nothing at all. Hopefully, I'm going to um, like I said, I've got my um short film um which uh, is actually a teaser for a, um, a series idea I've had. So that's been optioned and we're going to film that um, as soon as COVID allows. So hopefully come March, I will be directing my first um, short slash teaser. Then what will happen is that that will get commissioned and picked up and, you know, and then yeah, I'll be writing a whole series. So that would be good. And then other than that, I've got absolutely nothing planned. Uh, like I said, I'm waiting on a couple of jobs um that i've taped for um and i've just got to cross my fingers that something happens otherwise um i'm gonna have to find a new job <laughs> i have to find something else to do um because yeah that year's worth of money that um i put away is slowly running out <laughs> well, perfect time to bring back cutting it i think oh it'd be great i've been watching it? it this year yeah that'd be great i'd love to yeah. Yeah. yeah so great. yeah, nothing in the pipeline. Which on, do you know what? When I wake up tomorrow, that'll be exciting. It'll be exciting mm. that there's nothing in the pipeline because it'll be like, oh my gosh, I wonder what my next job's going to be. I wonder what it's going to be like, and you know, and it's 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 an opportunity. Whereas today, it's just depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, what what advice would you give to someone that's like wanting to get into acting? You know, you get you see this industry like I see on social media. There's all these like people sharing their self tapes and wanting advice and is this okay is this okay like um getting wanting to get directors and casting agents opinions on things and i mean what yeah. sort of advice have you sort of most what are the most valuable sort of lessons or advice that you could give from your career that you've learned um god that's so hard especially on moody monday <laughs> Don't <do> um it. <laughs> yeah what's the best <laughs> advice and you know what i really think that it's such a tough industry I think it's getting tougher and tougher um it'll be interesting to see what uh, the landscape looks like when Covid is over um because on my positive days I just think yeah there's going to be an abundance of work because all this stuff's been commissioned but no one's been able to shoot it so once it gets to a time when everything can be shot and the theatre's open again there's just going to be such a massive influx of work that everyone will get a job um but it wasn't like that before COVID. It's always been quite quite hard, and it's a it's a, a tough industry. And I just think you've got to want it more than you more than a social life. You've got to want it more than love. You've got to want it more than you want children. You've got to want it more than anything because they're all the things that you are going to at some point be asked to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And the, it's so unmeritocratical. This being an actor, it. The job doesn't always go to the best person for the job. The job doesn't always go to the best actor. Um, in fact, a lot of the time, it doesn't. It goes to the person who, on that particular day, walked into the room and made the director laugh, even though that's got nothing to do with the job, or the one who looks most like the the producer's daughter, or there's so many other aspects of it. and And so you've got to learn to build a thick skin, not take it personally and I think nowadays I think you have to diversify you've got to be writing as well you've got to be thinking about producing you've got to be thinking about directing you've got to you've got to be able to try and make your own work um you know make your own theatre company you've got to be just a lot more proactive it's something that me and my friends who are all of a certain age are having to learn 
for ourselves now is that you can't, you know, in the olden days, you just get sent a script in the post and be asked if you wanted to do it. And you didn't have to go and, you know, sell yourself and, and so on. It was just all about, you know, can you walk into a room and, and say the lines and, and, and give a good character? And it's nowadays, it's, you know, it's can you light yourself because you've got to do your self-tape in your bedroom? Have you got a backdrop? Have you got a, a, a quiet enough flat to be able to make a self-tape yeah. without having a dog or a crying baby or someone beeping? You know, all these things have a massive impact now on whether or not people get jobs. So it's not just about being an... I think I'm going all over the place here, but yeah, it's not just about being an actor. You've got to have other skills nowadays and it's not just got to be singing and dancing. <laughs> it's got to yeah. be, you know, lighting and memory having a good memory so that you can learn the lines that they give you a day before um when they want you to learn five scenes to you know go down on tape um but i think ultimately what it all boils down to is how the your desire for your job um how much do you want to do it because i think i you know i when i became an actor i didn't care whether i was doing acting in my youth theater or you know tv was kind of there but i don't think i ever really thought that that was for me i didn't you know i would have loved to have been on it but i didn't you know didn't see people like me on it so why would anyone want me on it i wanted to do theater that was where i kind of um got my my passion for acting from um so i wanted to act no matter what and i think nowadays you need to want to act no matter what, in whatever form it comes, and you've got to have a massive desire for it and and a right and a hide like a rhino. <laughs> but ultimately, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I, I think I think some people, especially on social media and like um, younger, maybe younger people in their early twenties, teenagers, and, and stuff, like they kind of see. Yeah, you know, they're very absorbed by how many likes, how many followers they have to kind of have self worth, and it's like. You know, everyone. Feels, well, I'll I'll be so much happier if I'm famous. If I'm famous or I'm acknowledged, I'll be so much happier than I am now. And it's like everyone everyone wants to be famous rather than talented. Mm, <laughs> and it, yeah. and it, it, it's a bit like that. But from someone that's kind of been in, you know, you've been in the limelight since you were sixteen years old. Is it is this kind of bubble of uh, a celebrity life famous? Is it is it kind of bullshit <laughs> to some extent in terms of what people expect it to be? Like all this glitz and glamorous and everything's wonderful and you live I mean I'm, I'm sure it's got its really nice moments but I think everyone kind of thinks well I'll be happy if I'm if I'm in that in that bubble I, I will feel like I'm worth something isn't it funny yeah um what's funny is it you're saying it like I am one of those people well, <laughs> like no, I'm, well, I, you know, but I, I don't I, feel I, like I yeah I just don't feel like I am I don't feel like I am that of that celebrity leading that celebrity lifestyle I suppose because I just um to me, that's what the Beckhams do. Do you know they're the ones that, are right. yeah. and Cara Delevingne, and they're the people with the celebrity lifestyles who are like going to Monaco and flying first class <laughs> and doing all that stuff. It's like, yeah. I just take the kids to school, and my mates are just my mates, and I don't, you know, I'm not a celeb party. I suppose when I was younger, maybe we went to like loads of, we used to have like premieres and stuff like that, and I used to get invited to them then. And yeah, I think I think I really quite liked it. I don't think it made my life brilliant, but it was dead exciting. Angie yeah. from the block was, was you know, a, a <laughs> Will Smith premiere, and there was Will Smith, who was a Fresh Prince. Um, but I think I don't think I've ever felt like I was part of it. I feel like I think I felt like I was always just a visitor in it. Um, so yeah, 
maybe if you feel like that's where you belong, then it really it might give you happiness. But I just think I never thought I really did. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just always a fly on the wall. I was always it was always someone else's life, and I was just getting to hang on the edges of it. Um, being successful, you know, there's when I when I get stopped in the street by somebody at the moment it's harlots is 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 what people are stopping me for because it's just been on the beep and i get stopped in the street and someone goes oh my gosh i've just watched harlots and i thought it was incredible and it's this amazing show i love it i think that's amazing because it's like i've done something i'm being part of a show that's really touched people so i suppose if that's having a being famous I suppose I quite like it because you are getting like you're that straight away um not straight away but you know you're getting that uh applause I suppose for do it for being in something that's really good and, and cool and, and, and you know I don't know how many times in an office people get you know people stop and go oh my god I've really loved your report your report was absolutely fantastic I don't know if that that happens or not um so it's great to have recognition for the work that you've done um Yeah, I don't know, actually. Because I've been doing it since I was 16 as well. I just don't really know any different. It's, this is mm. just... It's just the way of... Maybe, yeah, I've got a celeb life, I suppose. My mates yeah. are actors and, you know, people stop me in the street. And I'm, I am generally <laughs> quite happy, apart from Moody Monday. Um, apart from Moody Monday? Yeah, apart from today. Yeah. Um, I'm generally quite happy, so maybe, yeah, maybe it does give you... Maybe it does give you a happy life. Who knows? Maybe. I think, yeah. Well, there's things you're going to think about tonight. Like, wow. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to think about it. I just think, we, I just think that my husband makes me happy. He of makes course. me laugh well, the that, most. That, that's, that's the most important yeah, thing. But like, maybe he wouldn't be with me if I wasn't on the telly. Maybe we would never have met if I hadn't have been on the telly. So maybe it is all down to Coronation <laughs> Street. That I'm... You know what I think is? I think, I think it's these programmes like Love Island and X on the Beach. For, for young people, they kind of think, I want to look a certain way and be on that show to get famous. And I think sometimes yeah. that's the, the wrong kind of famous that you, you want. Because so many of those people that have been so famous for being on Love Island for a few months, it all gets taken away from them really quickly. Yeah, that's so, it. You know, yeah. And, and um, we had someone on that was talking about it and who was on an X on the Beach and you know when it she was like in the limelight for when she finished the show and then when it all went in the way it was like well who am i now because i've yeah. been kind of putting on this performance for you guys and now you don't want yeah. to know anymore yeah and yeah. and you know what maybe i would be the same actually if all of a sudden you know i wasn't working anymore maybe if people didn't stop me in the street maybe i would have a massive uh, no crisis um of confidence of not knowing who i was because that's what i'm so used to doing but i suppose if you if you're in a job where <laughs> there's some longevity to it like my career potentially could go on for you know 50 60 years and getting a career out of x on the beach that lasts longer than three years i mean there's just always the next next years well, i've not watched it but i presume that it's on is it on every year and so there's different um, contestants yeah, well, yeah, and... yeah x on the beach i think it's an mtv show I mean, love island because of the sad thing with Caroline Flack stopped yeah. now, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, that was, I guess, the media's fault and to some extent with Caroline mm. Flack. Mm. It was awful. Yeah, but, um, I think, yeah. Um, I think, I think with those shows where there's no, <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of them, because there's people who've come out of these shows and they were singers beforehand and whatever, but if you go into it with no actual, like, talent, no actual job, whatever mm. your job may be, I think then that, you know, what's there to hang on to? You can't just be famous for being famous. It's obviously just going to disappear. 
But I think there's some been some people. I think I heard a radio. Oh God, I sound so old. I think I heard a song on Radio One, a rap song, and I'm sure they said that it was a boy from Love Island. <laughs> so he obviously a young man, just, young man from Love Island. Yeah, that's it. And so he obviously had you know some some talent beforehand, and you know was a singer beforehand, and he's someone who has got a talent and then gone, I need to, you know, get some exposure. I will, literally, um, go on Love Island and then I'll get, you know, people know who I am and then I can build my career off that. So that's fair enough. But, you know, there is a certain amount at the moment where you do have to have some 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 fame, some exposures, however many Twitter followers or whatever for people to, to take note. But I just think you've got to have something to back it up. You've got to have an actual talent in something, um, you know, to back it up. No, yeah, absolutely. Well, we just won't expect to see you in the jungle. Oh, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm all for a challenge. There was a couple of things. You nearly ended up going and doing the, a, a sport relief thing. Um, and, you know, I'm not. I'm de- definitely not someone that, who, like, turns their nose up at going and doing some kind of, um, you know, reality show or whatever. I, like, I'm well up for that kind of thing. I'm well up for a challenge. I love doing new stuff. It's just the it's just the eating. I'm not eating pig's vagina. Ultimately, <laughs> cross the line of pig's vagina. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, uh, Angela, it's been amazing talking to you today. Thanks so much for your time. No props. No and props um, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you not in the jungle, but in, in some things. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying in the jungle. It's in, a ca- it's in a castle now. Maybe, maybe oh we'll yeah, that's back it. Here. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. I look forward to. Seeing your pipeline starting to get to be yeah, yeah, filling my pipeline. Fill, in, fill your pipeline. On that <laughs> fill note. my pipeline. A new, a new series by Angela Griffin. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's the title of your next play, I think. Fill yeah, there pipeline. we go. There we go. <laughs> So a wonderful chat there with Angela Griffin. Like I said, it was I talked to an old mate. I really enjoyed talking to her, actually. Um, But yeah, be sure to check out uh, Angela's work. I'm sure she's going to have lots of stuff in the pipeline coming up to uh, 2021. Look forward to seeing her new projects and that she'll no doubt be involved in. Uh, But be sure to check her out on social media. Be sure to check out us on social media. Follow us on the Shapes of Stories on Twitter. That's at Shapes of Stories. You can follow me on Twitter under LPrestige7. You can follow follow me on Instagram under Prestige Books. And you can follow me on Facebook just under Lawrence Prestige. Yes, but be sure to check us out on Twitter. Like I said, at Shapes of Stories. Uh, Be sure to subscribe. Please subscribe to the podcast. We've got some wonderful... um, guests and episodes coming your way which i'm really excited to share with you uh, thanks for angela coming on and good luck to her in 2021 and um yeah can't wait to share another episode with you coming very soon cheers <laughs>